0: If you would, now open your Bibles back to 2 Kings chapter 6. I titled the message this morning, How Shall We Do? What Shall We Do? I pray there's someone here this morning thinking in your heart, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I hope so. Because God has an answer for us in his word. Let me summarize the story that we read to, to open the service this morning. We come to the question that we're going to look at. The king of Syria went to war with Israel. Every time he made a battle plan, every time he tried to set a trap for the armies of Israel, Elisha told the king of Israel what the plan was, where the trap was, so he could avoid it. And the king of Israel escaped more than twice. So the king of Syria just naturally assumed he's got a leak in his cabinet. He's got a traitor somewhere in his inner circle. And one of his servants told the king, you don't have a traitor. You don't have a leak. He said, the prophet Elisha, he's the one telling the king of Israel everything you're planning on doing. He knows what you're saying in your bedchamber. He knows what you're dreaming. He knows what you say in your sleep. You Have you ever dreamed and woke up in the morning and forgot your dream? Well, the king of Syria forgot his dream, but Elisha knew it. He talked in his sleep. didn't even know he talked in his sleep, but Elisha knew what he said. Elisha knew everything was going on in there. And someone told the king of Syria, now Elisha is down there in Dothan. So the king sent his army down there to Dothan to to capture Elisha so he could get rid of this, this problem and attack and capture Israel. So that army comes by night and they surround that city and Elisha's servant gets up early in the morning. He's probably going to get some water, start some coffee brewing and he sees the Syrian army has surrounded that city. At verse 15, second Kings chapter six. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What shall we do? And he answered, Elisha answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And the Lord miraculously delivered Israel that day. He showed this servant, the whole mountain all around there is full of, of angels. And you remember the story we read, Elisha led that Syrian army to the king of Israel. And uh, the king of Israel fed them and sent them back to Syria. And that Syrian army was so impressed, they never dared attack Israel again. Now here's what I want, that's a good story, isn't it? But here's what I want us to see this morning. That believers today are just as protected as Elisha was that day that the (laughs) mountains. We're full of angels round about. Just as safe, just as protected. Now that's true of our physical, natural enemies, just as was in Elisha on this day. Those enemies cannot touch you without God's permission. He is surrounding and protecting his people. And that's especially true of our spiritual enemies. Much, much greater, much more important, much more problematic enemy, our spiritual enemy. God protects his people from those enemies. And that's what I want us to focus our attention on this morning. Now the point is, the point of all this story is this. If Christ is for us, there's always more for us than there is for them. If Christ be for us, who can be against us? He has more power than any enemy that we have. And I'm not saying the power of our enemies is not considerable and you know apart from christ protecting us that they wouldn't just destroy us just easily what i'm saying is is that the power of our savior is greater than all the power of our enemies put together now that ought to give our hearts rest our god is protecting us our god is, is taking care of every enemy for us now elisha's servant didn't know this yet he sees this army surrounding the the city and he says, Alas, what are we gonna do? Elisha, we're in big trouble. What are we gonna do? What well, tell you if the Lord ever gets you and me in mean trouble? That's the same question we'll ask. Alas, what am I gonna do? Well, if the Lord ever gives us a glimpse of our sin, <laughs> if he ever gives us a glimpse of his holiness, if he ever gives us a glimpse of his greatness and who he really is if Lord ever gives us a glimpse of his justice and what it is that we deserve by our works that we've been trusted in all these years, I tell you what we'll, we'll say, alas. <laughs> alas, what am I going to do? I'm in trouble. Well, the answer to that question, and this is what I want you to get out of this whole message, the answer to that question, what am I going to do? Is trust Christ. That's what we're to do. Look to Christ and trust him, that's the whole answer. It's not any more complicated than that. Trust Christ. I'm going to show you that truth by looking at four of our enemies. The first enemy is our spiritual blindness. I mean, that's the first problem we've got is our spiritual blindness. And when scripture talks about blindness, it's talking about ignorance. I don't know because I can't see. You know, we can't... Uh, say, oh, I see. I, I can't say I see or I understand any spiritual truth because we're spiritually blind. And here's the big problem. We're blind and we don't know we're blind. Your Lord said he came to give those that are blind, that know they're blind, he came to give them sight. But those that think that they see and don't, they're going to stay in their blindness. Our big problem is we're blind and we don't know it. We think we know everything when in fact we don't know anything. We know nothing. We don't know any spiritual truth. And we've been blind a long time. Man became blind in the garden. Not long after God created Adam and put him in the garden, (laughs) Adam fell and we became blind. And you know, it's interesting. We became blind, but Satan promised, I can make you see. That's what, that's what Satan promised. I can make you see. And when Adam took that fruit and ate it, you know what he saw? The same thing that we see by nature. All he could see now was sin and shame and death. That's all he could see. He couldn't see God anymore. He couldn't see the way to God anymore. He couldn't, he couldn't see anymore because he's spiritually blind and he passed that nature on to you and me. We can't see. Somebody preaches the gospel to us and we can't see. I don't get it. I don't get why these people are saying that was such a blessing. I don't get it. You know why we don't get it? We're blind. We're spiritually blind. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 2. See, this is, this is the nature that Adam had to pass on onto us. Here's why men by nature just don't get the gospel. Why they don't flock to hear it, why they don't believe it, why they keep trusting their works instead of trusting Christ is because we're spiritually blind. First Corinthians 2 verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. He can't understand these things. A natural man can't believe any spiritual truth because he's dead. He's blind. He cannot see. And I'll tell you, it's a bad situation when we're so blind we don't know we're blind. I mean, you think what a mess that we're in when we're so ignorant that we don't know we're ignorant. You know, have you ever tried to teach a know-it-all? I mean, you can't do it. It's impossible. You can't teach a know-it-all. Maybe some of you teachers have tried to teach a child and by golly, they just can't get it. I mean, they just can't get it. They don't don't get it. Well, someone could liken that to preaching the gospel. We preach the gospel to people that by nature, they can't get it. They just, they, they can't see. They cannot believe. And someone might ask, well, why bother preaching Christ? To a person that cannot believe. Why bother preaching Christ to somebody. That can't see. That can't believe. That no matter how hard they try. They cannot trust Christ. The Christ that you preach. Why bother preaching to them. If they cannot believe. It's because of the very same thing Elisha said. They that be with us. Are more than they that be with them. Now our spiritual blindness is powerful. I mean, it's got such a hold on us. I don't care what we do. I don't care how hard we try. We cannot make ourselves see. We cannot. I tell you that from experience. You can you can memorize the doctrine, but you can't make yourself see. You can't make yourself believe and love Christ. But we preach Christ to the spiritually blind. We preach Christ to the ignorant. We preach Christ to the dead for this reason. God's more powerful than our blindness. Our savior is more powerful than our spiritual death. Our God is pleased to make his people see. That's why we do what Elisha did. That's why we begin every service in this way with prayer. His servant couldn't see. And Elisha asked, Lord, let him see. That's why we begin every service with prayer. Lord, make your people see. Oh, give us a blessing from the storehouses of your grace. enable us to see and believe Christ. We pray because we're not able, but God is. He's able to make the blind see. And the way that God makes his people see, the way he gives them eyes to see, is by making them see Christ the light. When Christ the light appears, all darkness goes away. When Christ the light appears, all that ignorance goes away. When Christ appears, so we see Christ, then we say, oh, now I see. Now I see how God can save sinners and still be just. It's in the person of Christ. It's in his righteousness. It's in his obedience, not mine. It's in his sacrifice. Now I see. Now I see how his blood can can cleanse me from all my sin because of who he is. Now I see. God gives his, when you turn the the light on in a dark room, the darkness instantly goes away, doesn't it? When Christ appears, the darkness instantly goes away. Because I see him. He's the answer. Now I see. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. God is pleased to give his people light by the preaching of Christ, the light of the world. Second Corinthians four verse three, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. It's hid to the blind, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we here's our answer to that: the people who are blind, they cannot see. Here's our answer to that. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. In ourselves, us, we're your servants for Jesus' sake. And here's why we continue to preach Christ Jesus the Lord. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As the Lord enables us, we preach Christ. We lay the gospel out there in as clear and simple terms as we can. We lay the gospel out there for sinners to hear. And when God moves in creative power and says, let there be light. Just like he did on that first day of creation. He said, let there be light and there was light. You may have heard the gospel many, many, many times and just thought, I don't get it. I don't see. And when God moves and says, let there be light. You see On that first day of creation, when God said, let there be light, what was he talking about? He wasn't talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars. He's talking about his son. Let Christ, the light of the world, appear. As we preach Christ, and God says to, in your heart, let there be light. You know what he's saying? Let Christ appear in your heart. And now you see. Now God creates a new man in the hearts of of the hearts of his people, and they see because Christ has been formed in them. In them. Light's been turned on in your dark heart and the darkness went away. There's light. It's God that does that by his creative power. Solomon said in Proverbs 20 verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, if you hear the gospel and believe it, and you see Christ in the message, you see Christ in his word, why do you see? Why do you hear? The Lord made even both of them. The Lord made that and gave you eyes to see, gave you ears to hear. It's the Lord that makes his people see, isn't it? Now, here's a good question. I I would love it if somebody's asking this question in their heart. Do I see or am I blind? Now, do I really see? Do I really see Christ? Do I really see the truth? Do I really believe him or do I just know a set of doctrines? Which is it? Well, I can help you find out by asking you this question: Do you see any reason in yourself that God would be merciful to you? Can you see anything about yourself that would make God say, "I'm going to save this person"? If you say, "Yes, I, I see some," you know, I, I I try to be more moral than you know than the average Joe. Um, I try to, to 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 do good. I try not to do evil. Um, well, I keep supporting this place where the you know I know the right doctrine. I come here and support this because I know this is the right doctrine. If you see that in yourself, you're blind. But if the answer to that question, can you see any reason in yourself that God saved you? Can you see any reason at all in yourself that God will be merciful to you? That God will bless you? Can you see any reason at all in yourself? And you say, No, preacher, I can't see a single thing. The only thing I can see about myself is why God sent me to hell then you see. (laughs) Then you see. If you see that the only hope I have is Christ, he's got to do it all because I can't do any of it. If you see the only hope of salvation, the only hope of acceptance with God that you have is the Lord Jesus Christ, then brother, you see. (laughs) And you see because God made you see. See, that's how he takes care of our first problem, the problem of our spiritual blindness. He gives us eyes. So we see Christ. Now remember I told you the answer to God. Alas, what shall I do? The answer is look to Christ. The first thing God does for his people is gives them, gives them light. So they look to Christ. Now they see. Now they see how it is God saves sinners. Now I see more importantly how God can save a sinner like me. It's all in Christ. All right, number two, there's the enemy of our sin. That's a big problem. And the problem of our sin is twofold. First, there's the sin that we commit, our sins. Now the sins that we commit, they demand our eternal death. They demand eternity in hell. Now that's a big problem for you and me because we can't do anything but sin. We can't stop sinning. Um, it'd be good if we quit you know, all this this outward sin and meanness that we do. But you know, sin is a whole lot more than an outward act. Sin is just wanting to commit sin. Even if you don't do it outwardly, sin is just wanting to commit it. Isn't that what our Lord said about adultery? He said, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's committed adultery already with her in his heart. The problem is in the heart. It's a sinful heart that can't stop. Can't do anything but sin. And we could try to stop sinning all we want. We'll do a little experiment. Here for just a second. I want you to try not to sin. See what I'm saying? As soon as we said, I'm going to try not to sin, what happened? Sin immediately flew through your mind. It's our thoughts. It's our nature. So our first big problem is the sins that we commit because it's the only thing our nature can do. But the second problem we have with sin is our sin nature. And this is where, this is where all comes from. The root of it is in our heart. Our very nature is defiled with sins, polluted with sin, so that all it is is sin. And that's offensive to a holy God. I mean, here we all are in our Sunday best and, and uh, what well, we all get with each other and, and we just uh, act as good as we can act, don't we, you know? But God doesn't see like we see. God looks on the heart and what He sees is offensive to Him. Our nature, what we are, what we can't help but be is offensive to God. It's offensive to God's sight. It's offensive to smell and it's offensive to his ears. And the only thing God can do with that nature since God's holy. The only thing he can do with that nature is send it to hell out of his sight. That sin must be punished with death. Now alas, alas, what is a sinner to do? How shall we do? Is there any hope of forgiveness? Is there any hope that God could have any mercy on me? Is there any hope I could be made righteous? Well, not by anything we do. No, there's no hope in anything that we do. If we're depending on something we do to improve our situation, make ourselves better for God, there's no hope for us. There's no hope. know, someone could say, I just want to be a better person. I want to be taught how to... How to not not to be so mean, not to be so selfish, not not to be so. Oh, I want to be taught to be a better person, to be nicer and to be more giving. I want to be taught to be 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 a better person, buddy. Have at it. I mean, that's a good thing for the world if we can all be taught to be a better person. But don't ever think you can be made better so that you're good enough for God. See, that's the issue. I'm all for us being better people. <laughs> I mean, the world would be a whole lot better place, wouldn't it? But that can't make us right before God. We can't be good enough that we be perfect before God and God demands perfection. Now alas, what should we do? We're in trouble. What are we going to do? Can I tell you the answer one more time? Depend on Christ. Look to Christ. Look to Him because they that be with us are more than they that be with them. See, we can't do anything to put our sin away. We can't do anything to give ourselves a righteous nature, but Christ has. He's already done that for His people. And I'll tell you this, as big a problem as our sin is, he's, He's mightier than our sin. First, the sin that we commit. Christ came to put away the sin that His people commit. The sins. He came to pay for those sins. We've committed them. We racked up the debt. And Christ came to pay for those sins. He came to pay for those sins with the precious blood of his sacrifice. I hope we don't ever talk about the blood so often. that become, We become casual about it. This is the greatest story that can ever be imagined. The Son of God took on him flesh so that he could suffer and die and shed his life's blood. Offer that blood on the altar before the Father to pay for the sins of his people. And that blood is so precious. It's so powerful because he is so precious. His blood, John said, cleanses us from all sin. All of it. He paid for it all. The debt is paid. The sins that we have committed are more than the hairs of our head. They're more than can be numbered. Those sins are so powerful they demand our eternal damnation. But they that be with us are more than they that be within. The blood of Christ is stronger than all of those sins. His blood made those sins to not exist it's not like the father says well there was a debt I see that debt over there but it it was paid for you know what the father says I don't see nor remember their sins and their iniquities anymore why not the blood of Christ made him to not exist he put away the sins of his people well the second problem is our sin nature A nature that the Holy God will never accept. Even if our sins are paid for, He can't accept our sin nature. Well, alas. What should we do? How can we ever be accepted of God? Is there no hope? If all I've got is a sin nature and I can't clean it up, is there no hope? Yeah, there's hope. Oh, there's a good hope. There's a good hope. Trust Christ. To depend on Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ comes to His people in the person of His Holy Spirit and He gives His people a brand new nature in the new birth. Now that nature is holy. That nature is righteous. That nature can never sin because it's born from the holy seed of the Word of God. You know, the reason we have a sin nature is that's the only seed our Father had to conceive us with, a sin, sinful seed. God's people are conceived with the Word of God, a sinless seed. So they've got a nature that can never sin. That nature, God will accept. See, he has to create in us what he'll accept, doesn't he? And that nature, that new person is going to go directly from this body. When this body dies, is going to go directly from this clay prison to be with the Lord. Directly. And when that new man gets to glory and we open our eyes in glory, we're like our brother David. Now I'm satisfied. I've awoken his likeness. We're going to look into the face of the Savior, the Savior that we've longed to see, the Savior that we've looked to in faith for for so long, and we're going to look into His faith face, and He's going to say, "Well, I remember all the sin that you committed. Well, I, I sent you to serve my people, and you did a mighty poor job of it. You, you, you muddied the waters a whole lot." You, you know, you you serve yourself instead of serving me, Bob. But I'm I'm going to bring you into heaven anyway because of my blood. He's not going to say that. In spite of all of our sin, in spite of in spite of all our fumbling and bumbling and the how many times we fumbled the ball. You know what the Savior going to say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. He's not going to say that because of some we did. <laughs> He's not going to say that because of our nature. He's going to say that because of what he did and his nature and that he caused to be birthed in us. That's why I tell you, look to Christ and trust Christ. He's able. He's able to save. He's able to take care of and put away our sin. Well, Our third big enemy is the law. Here's why the law is against us, because God demands perfect obedience. Outwardly, in thought, in word, in heart, he demands perfect obedience. Now, if you can obey God's law perfectly, you will be accepted. You'll be righteous. I mean, God, God said if you can keep his law perfectly, he'll accept you. He, he didn't lie. But our problem is this if we disobey God's law at even one point, we're guilty of all. And we'll be damned yeah. in justice. That's a pretty big problem for somebody that can do only sin. And we can't keep God's law. Well, alas, what shall we do? What shall we do? Well, I tell you again, depend on Christ. Look to Christ. They that be with us are more than they that be within. Our enemy of the law is a whole lot stronger than we can ever handle. But Christ came in his might, in his perfection. You know what he did? He took the law out of the way. Colossians 2 verse 14 says, The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. When Christ was crucified as a substitute for his elect, When he suffered, he died, he gave up the ghost. You know what the law said? I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with that. Satisfied with his perfect obedience. I'm satisfied with his death. There has been death for sin and I'm satisfied. The law is taken out of the way. Because Christ satisfied it. He satisfied it. The law is not even hunting God's elect anymore. Because of what Christ accomplished for us. Now the curse of the law is death. That's the curse of the law. I mean, it's a powerful curse. You you can't escape it. You cannot escape death. But look at Galatians chapter 3. I quote this often, but maybe it would be good for us to to see it in black and white one more time. What are we going to do about this curse of the law? Well, let's look to Christ. Verse 13, Galatians 3. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. When the Lord Jesus Christ took the sin of his body, or the sin of his people and his own body on the tree, he was made a curse for sin. You and I could never bear that curse. We could never put it away, even eternity in hell wouldn't even begin to put away that curse. But the Lord Jesus Christ bore the curse of the law for his people. He was made a curse for them. And his blood put that curse away forever. So now, God's justice. God's holy, just law. You know what it demands? It doesn't demand your death anymore. It demands your eternal life if Christ died for you. Not only did he take the law out of the way, He made God's law and God's justice your friend if he died for you. Now God's justice demands that everyone for whom Christ died be given eternal life. Now depend on Christ. Quit trying to keep the law. Depend on Christ. Look to Christ. And then last, there's our enemy, Satan. Well, religious folks talk a lot about Satan. And Satan is a mighty, mighty enemy. He's a real enemy. And I will pass along to you, Brother Mahan's advice to us, don't go looking for him. Don't. If you go looking for him, you just might find him. Don't go looking for him. Don't go picking a fight with Satan. I, these, these people that get on TV and say, oh, I've rebuked Satan. I told Satan to do this. and I told Satan where to go and what to do. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Michael the Archangel. I mean he was, you know, how many times more powerful than you and me? Michael the Archangel. He wouldn't even take Satan on one on one. He told Satan the Lord would be accused. I'm not anything to do with you. And this I promise you if Satan desires to sift you and me like we, we're going to be sifted into little teeny tiny pieces. I mean, we don't stand a better chance against Satan than Peter did. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he's not making any accusations up. We give him plenty of ammunition. Every accusation he makes is true. We did it. That's a problem. I mean, that's a problem. Alas, what shall we do? What shall we do? I think this is the last time in this message I'm going to tell you this. Here's the answer. Look to Christ. Depend on Christ. They that be with us are more than that be with Satan. At Calvary, Christ came and he willingly went to the tree so that by his sacrifice, he's crushed Satan's head forever. Way back there when Adam fell, God promised Adam and Eve, the seed of woman's coming, he's going to crush Satan's head. Here he came. And by his sacrifice, he crushed Satan's head. If somebody's head is crushed, they're out of business. If their head's crushed, the seat of power is crushed, they're unable to do anything anymore. Christ crushed Satan's head by making his accusations against God's elect to never be able to stick. Satan accuses God's elect and the Father says, what sin? I already said there's sins and iniquities. so I remember no more. I already said there's sins cast by my back. I don't see it. And you know why the Father doesn't see it? Because the Lord Jesus Christ by his sacrifice made his people not guilty. Satan's out of business. If Christ made you not guilty. I lied to you one more time. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. If I could reach in your heart and grab you and wake you up, I would. Look to Christ. I tell you, as I studied through Scripture this week, you know what I found? we got a whole lot more than four enemies. That's just all I had time to deal with for lunchtime. But whatever enemy you think of, whatever spiritual enemy, physically, enemy, whatever enemy it is you come up against, you apply this same rule that we looked at in these four enemies. You apply this same rule to each of those enemies and your heart will be comforted. You just remember, no matter how great the enemy is, they that be with us are more than that be with evil. Now, you're not going to find much comfort for your heart and for your soul thinking, well, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and take on this enemy. We'll get whooped. But if we depend on Christ, he'll protect us, he'll save us, and he'll keep us. All right, Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, how we thank you for your word. Oh, how we thank you, Father, that you've opened the eyes of your people in this dark, dark world, in these dark, dark, Egyptian night darkness hearts of ours, that you've given light that we can see, that we see Christ. Father, I beg of you that you'd cause each of us here this morning, Father, open our eyes, open our eyes that we might see that we might see Christ, that we might trust him, that we might rest on him, that we might might run to him and cling to him. Father, in light of who he is, enable us to see how you can be just and still justify the ungodly like us. It's not by what we do. It's all in Christ. Father, I pray you'd cause him to be our all and in all. For it's in his precious name, For the glory of his name, we pray. Amen. All right, Sean, come lead us in a closing hymn if you would. Okay, if you would, turn in your hymnals to song number 205. Song number 205 and stand as we sing once for all.